So as I said at the beginning of the service, I spent last week at Camp Allen with uh, the summer camp for the primary kids, the eight and nine-year-olds, third and fourth grade. Um, I remember going to that camp at my at that age, when I was that age, uh, so pretty great getting to be on the other side of things now. Um, I was there with Kristen and, and another priest as well, uh, Meredith Holt, who's in Galveston, so the three of us were the directors and uh, got our program lined up, what we wanted to teach the kids, so we started like the first day we did Christmas and then the calling of the disciples, then we had a healing story, finally the resurrection and Pentecost, and it was come and see, go and tell. So come and see about Jesus and then go and tell others about Jesus. And on the day of resurrection, on Thursday, we um, told that story and then talked about that with the kids a little bit and talked about the idea of resurrection happening throughout our lives. Not only there's the resurrection after death, after a physical death, but then times of other death in our lives. And someone said, and I said, uh, okay, so what about when you've been friends with someone and then they're mean to you, you're mean to them, and one kid raises, well, that's the death of a friendship. I said, bingo, exactly. And then, how do we get that resurrection? They talked about um, trying to find out what was going on, try to reconcile, being kind again. And yes, that's resurrection. That's bringing new, new life again to this friendship. The next day, um, eight-year-old boys tend to do what eight-year-old boys tend to do, which is sometimes fight a little bit. Um, surprisingly enough. And so a couple of the guys, they were playing a game and one of them ended up kicking the other one in the shin and both were quite upset. Turns out these kids had been friends from even before camp, so we're sitting down and we're talking to each of them, trying to get, you know, what happened. And, you know, I don't know what happened. We were just playing this game and he kicked me in the shin and it was so mean. Um, okay, talking to the other kid. And he's been pushing me down all week. I mean, every time I'm playing, he just pushes me down. Sometimes when we're just running through the camp, he just pushes me down for no reason. Um, you know, this kid just had enough. And he finally snapped and kicked him. Two very different stories. Um, so we talked with the one who kept getting pushed down about needing to, uh, you know, you can't fight back anyway. And, um, but maybe he didn't mean to, you know, just maybe. Yes, he did. Okay. Maybe. We don't know. But then we talked to the other kid, the one that got kicked in the shin. And um, talked a little about, you know, trying to give him the benefit and everything else. And then later, like a few minutes later, I was just sitting, drinking my coffee. It was 100 degrees in the afternoon, so of course I was drinking hot coffee. That's what I do. And I overheard the guy that had gotten kicked in the shin with one of his other friends saying, I hate that kid. Don't you just hate him? He didn't realize that I was right behind him. And so I said, did you just say that you hate that other kid? He says, no. Well, but I, I thought that's what I just heard. You said, I hate that kid. Don't you just hate him? And he said, maybe. <laughs> and I said, well, tell me why. Tell me why. What's going on there? And he talked about it. And I said, well, let's look at it this way. What, what he told me was, was that you keep pushing him down and that you're just constantly knocking him down and pushing him to the ground. He says, but I'm not doing that. I said, I don't know. I don't think that you are. 
Um, but he thinks you are. So maybe you're just sort of running into him during the game, and he thinks you're pushing him down. Maybe you know you're just trying to give him, you know, say hi or something. But whatever it's doing, he thinks you're pushing him down, and so he's really hurt, right? He's really upset and he's really hurt because of this. He says, "Okay," and he's starting to get that. I said, "So here's what here's what's happened, right? Y'all used to be friends. I heard you say that. So now where are we?" He said, "Death of the friendship? Yes." Y'all's friendship's dead. So now let's work on resurrection. So now what I need you to do is to get curious about what's going on with him. I need you to start thinking, what have I been doing that he thinks I'm trying to push him down, that he thinks I'm trying to hurt him? And here's what else to do. Go and ask him about it. Ask him, look, and just tell him, look, I've not been trying to hurt you, but I've been doing something that's been hurting you. Tell me about that. What have I been doing? And he kind of got it. It's like, okay, I think I can do that. And then let's get some resurrection going. But it took him seeing the world through a different way of viewing the world. Right? Instead of just viewing things from he's hurting me or I hurt and he's a jerk, maybe I have been inadvertently hurting him. And that's viewing it through this, through the, see the world through not just his eyes, but through the eyes of Jesus. And so there's that kingdom living. That casting aside of fear, that being generous that Jesus talked about. In this case, being generous with how we view other people's actions and motivations. And what if I'm wrong creeps in? And what if the guy really is a jerk? Or what if he hurts me again? And Jesus tells us, cast that aside and trust in his kingdom way. Do not be afraid, little flock. For it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And God's kingdom is a gift which we receive. We receive God's kingdom when we act towards others in certain ways. And Jesus tells us how to receive God's kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Be generous towards others. And do not be afraid of not having enough. There's this saying that I've heard recently, unknown author, and the saying is, people were created to be loved. Things were created to be used. The reason why the world is in chaos is because things are being loved and people are being used. But do not be afraid, little flock, Jesus says, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Do not love your things. Love people. And use your things to help you love people. This is how Jesus tells us to live his kingdom, which sounds a little bit scary. Give of your stuff in order to love people, but it basically sounds pretty good. And then Jesus gets to the really kind of scary part, right? Be ready for the son of man is coming at an unexpected hour. If you knew when the thief was coming, you would not let your house be broken into. Let's be honest. That's kind of scary. But remember, it's an analogy. Jesus isn't coming to steal your stuff. He doesn't really care all that much about your stuff. 
Jesus is coming, and we have no idea when he'll show up, so be ready at all times for his coming. Live always ready to receive God's kingdom by how you choose to live. And remember, Jesus started this whole teaching with, do not be afraid. I think some fire, stone, fire, fire and brimstone. Firestone and brim. Um, I think some of those preachers should remember that do not be afraid part. Do not be afraid and remember to strive to live at all times in such a way as to receive God's kingdom. Live generously and lovingly towards others. Jesus gives this analogy and he creates some urgency in us, doesn't he? Because he knows that we tend to slack off over time. It's been a couple thousand years. We can tend to slack off. If we knew Jesus was coming in three weeks, we'd clean up our acts pretty quickly and be generous and loving toward each other. His coming creates urgency. And I can think of at least three reasons for this. One, wanting his acceptance. Two, this is the short timeline. And three, the joy of his love. All drive the urgency in us to be generous and loving towards others. If we knew Jesus was coming in three weeks. With the first reason... We want Jesus' acceptance. And so we clean up our acts and we look our best at his coming. The problem is that's a basically self-centered reason. And Jesus talked about being generous and loving towards others for their sake, not our own. Also, we don't need to hustle for God's acceptance. We already have been given God's acceptance through Jesus. Now we simply get to love others for their sake. Not to hustle for God's acceptance. The second reason we would find urgency with Jesus coming in three weeks is that with such a short timeline, it's pretty easy to do without. We can do without stuff and we can be generous and loving towards people for three weeks. It's no big deal. Of course, Jesus is asking us to be generous and loving towards others all of the time. Act all of the time as though Jesus was coming in three weeks. And finally, the joy of Jesus' love is why we could be generous and loving towards others if we knew Jesus was coming in about three weeks. That's why it's easier to be kind to people around Christmas time. The joy of Jesus' love. Around Christmas time, the joy of his love is in the air. It's palpable. We're remembering his birth is coming among us. We find it somehow easier to receive that joy and love. And so we find it easier to give it away to those around us. And so with Jesus teaching us to be ready, Jesus is saying to behave every day with the joy and love we experience around Christmas time. Treat every day like Christmas is just around the corner. Treat every day like Jesus is right about to show up. Remember that you already are accepted and loved by him, so do not be afraid. Share the joy of that palpable love which he has for you and for all. Be loving and generous towards others, because others are so beloved and valued. Give of your things because in God's kingdom, we love people, not things. And then other people end up loving us, not their things. We find our security in people, in their love, not in our things. I heard a great example of this kingdom generosity and loving people over things 
in, uh, on a radio show I heard yesterday on This American Life. This was a story of refugee camps in Greece, and one camp housed Yazidi refugees from Iraq. The Yazidis are an often persecuted people whom America helped with airstrikes when ISIS was trying to annihilate them completely. And now they are largely living in camps fleeing genocide. And in one particular camp I heard about yesterday, there is a man who made a shop selling necessities for life, food and other things, and he charges very little, making almost no profit. And sometimes people come by and they simply drop off money at his shop. It's because they had taken stuff earlier on credit. He runs this store often on credit, asking people to pay what they can, if they can. He has his prices, but if people can't pay and they still need food, he expects that they're going to take the food. He said at the current rate, he won't be able to stay in business for more than a year or two longer. But he refuses to charge more or to stop giving to people on credit, which they may or may not be able to pay back. He said he'd rather go out of business, business than stop giving credit to people. He's not running this shop to get rich. He's doing it for his people. He's not their leader. He's just one of them. Now, he's not a Christian, but he's a darn good example of Jesus teaching, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven. This man is truly living God's kingdom in how he treats others, loving people more than things, and truly being not afraid. Living out God's kingdom and receiving God's kingdom requires us to see the world differently than we might otherwise. The refugee in the shop who owned the shop didn't see people taking his stuff. He saw people in need and he saw his stuff as being able to fulfill that need. And think about when his shop does run out. When he can't run it anymore, is there anything that these people won't do to help this generous man when he is in need? They're choosing not to be afraid and choosing to love people rather than loving stuff. The two boys that I was speaking to, the boy at Camp Allen who I was speaking to, the one who got kicked in the shin, he initially saw a mean kid who kicked him. But then he began to see through the lens of God's kingdom. And he began to see a hurt kid who felt like he was being bullied. From there, he could learn to love rather than holding on to hurt. Because our hurt and our fears and our feelings of being right, those can be things too. Things that we hold on to in order to protect ourselves. These two boys at Camp Allen were learning to let go of those things. They're learning not to be afraid of each other, but to treat each other with generosity of spirit, seeking love over fear. Fear says, keep what you have and take care of yourself. Love says, do not be afraid, give generously for the sake of others. Whether our things are physical things or mental and emotional things that we hold on to for self-protection, Jesus teaches us to receive God's kingdom by giving up those things and taking the risky road of love instead. 
And remember as we travel that road that people were created to be loved. Things were created to be used. And the reason why our world is in chaos is because things are being loved and people are being used. So do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Receive God's kingdom and take the risky road of love. Amen.